Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Regardless of how long you've been in this business, you still have new trends and plants that you don't know much about sneak up on you. So today, I'm conversing about cacti and will be joined by John Chandler from Simply Succulents. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. Goodness, what a scorcher. More like Singapore with uh, high temperatures and high humidity. I'm almost wedded to the end of my hose. It's just a job to keep everything into some sort of fettle, especially when you've got five or six hundred pots to water. It's a very small world, you know. Tom Nellist, our interview guest last week, emailed me uh, yesterday to say he was contacted by a listener in British Columbia who was interested in Uncle Tom's rose tonic. So my greetings to whoever you are out in British Columbia. Uh, It's a small world these days. On the news front, OPM, Oak Processionary Moth, continues to hit the headlines and I see that two semi-mature oaks planted in Hartlepool have uh, been infected with this uh, caterpillar. They've been chemically treated and the tree removed. Uh, There's a lot of uh, comment too in Holland with uh, Dutch growers just being a bit uneasy what's going to happen about compensation. Apparently it rests between the seller and the buyer, you know. So uh, if it's a UK person purchasing oaks from Holland and when they arrive they have this processionary moth caterpillar and the trees get destroyed, then I'm afraid there'll be some pretty strong debate as to who's going to pick up the tab at the end. Last week we were talking about Uncle Tom's rose tonic and I see in the press this week that potassium phosphonate is now recommended for scab control on apples and pears. And it's interesting that it almost works like a human flu jab. If you spray potassium phosphonate onto the leaves of apples and pears, then it goes into the sap stream and helps the plant resist such diseases. The news on the garden centre front is uh, pretty optimistic still. I see that uh, Notcuts Garden Centre's report uh, a 1.5 million profit, up 52% on the year to February 2019. Now, 14 of their 18 centres have uh, demonstration show gardens looked after by uh, the resident staff. There's news too uh, of a 15 million grant for farm tech-ups. You know, that's for money to be invested in things like robots. And already I see that there's a robot that can selectively harvest iceberg lettuce. Uh, It'll be interesting to see just how far that uh, robot activity uh, develops. Oh, and I noticed at Hyde Hall, they invite visitors to take off their shoes and socks to run barefoot over their lush green lawns. I can tell you, those lawns are absolutely magnificent and it would be very tempting uh, to take your shoes off and uh, feel the grass between your toes. 
Walking down from the main house, there's two really long, beautiful beds of uh, lavender, and I noticed that uh, the rosemary beetle were about. Each time I walk up and down, I pick one or two off to try and reduce the damage they might do, really prompted by a school that I went to uh, in the London suburbs where they had a trimmed box, and box moth caterpillar were a real problem. The uh, man responsible for the gardens there had got the children to actually collect the caterpillars and feed them to the chickens, and the kids absolutely loved doing that. I don't know where... (laughs) The care of the wildlife fits into all of that, but apparently they used to arrive early to school and pick off caterpillars and feed them to the chickens. And then at break time, in the morning, lunchtime and in the afternoon, they would be there picking away again, and they picked off hundreds by all accounts. So there's a good way. I need a couple of three children to come and pick the uh, asparagus beetles (laughs) off my asparagus, because that's a full-time job too. We were asked several times at the floral display we have at Hyde Hall about controlling black fly and cabbage white butterfly caterpillars on nasturtiums. I mean, nasturtiums are really beautiful plants, and we've got that big trial, 78 different kinds, just coming into flower. Oh, and there's one or two uh, in the Alaska series with variegated leaves that have the flowers right up above the foliage look really good. But controlling those two pests are quite difficult. I've just sent an order off for a butterfly net because I think if I can catch one or two of those cabbage whites uh, that might nip the problem in the bud, so to speak. And I'm a bit reluctant about uh, using chemical sprays, although there is one for caterpillars, um, which is natural and, and will just damage the caterpillars, not the bees. When it comes to black fly, then you really need to keep a sharp eye on them. And as soon as you see the first starts of an infection, just pick them off. Or, if needs be, spot spray. Where we're using the organic natural oil, usually rapeseed oil sprays, I'm a bit uneasy because they're so wide-spectrum. You know, they knock out the beneficials as well as the aphids that we really want to control Uh, so sharp eyes are the first thing uh, and eliminating the initial infection will uh, be a big step forward to keeping your plants clean now i have to uh, admit something of a blind spot when it comes to cactus Uh, and speaking to john chandler Uh, on one of the big shows uh, he kindly uh, offered to come in and do an interview with us so with a bit of luck today I might be uh, shaped up a bit when it comes to cactus and succulents which have become very popular in the last year or two now John welcome to the podcast can I ask how did you first get into horticulture Oh, I started um, as a weekend job when I was 14, working at a garden centre. I just wanted to earn some money. And, yeah, that's just how it started, really. I'd had plants before, obviously, uh, when I was very young. But um, just working weekends at a garden centre has completely changed what I was going to do. Yeah, that happens with quite a lot of people too, doesn't it? You know, that sort of weekend till boy and girl very often introduces them to the business. 
It does. I mean, I was all lined up to be an accountant, an office worker or something like that. And yes, it just completely sort of changed my outlook on life, really. Just got interested and more interested. And yes, I ended up leaving school and just going to work at the same place. Oh, right. How did you set off on your own then? Because that's quite a big leap for any of us, isn't it? Um, I suppose so. I started doing um, sort of gardening rounds and um, growing plants for shows and little boot fairs and things like that. I've worked for lots of different nurseries and um, I've been managing of garden centres, wholesale nurseries, all sorts of things like that. And about 20 years ago, I just thought I might as well just go back to the growing, which is basically what I enjoy most. And... um, just started from there, really, doing uh, bigger and bigger shows. But why Simply Succulents, the company's name? Yeah, well, um, I'd always grown them. I mean, even when sort of, I started about 20 years ago, just growing, I always grew succulents. Um, surprised myself on how many I actually already had. Just things like sampavirums, house leeks, um, sedums. Um, always having sort of house plants like uh, money plants, things like that. And I just thought, you know, everyone's growing very similar things on the show circuit, lots of perennials. So I just thought it, I wanted something a bit different. And about sort of five and a half years ago, I just thought, yep, that's it. I'm going to specialise. And succulents have always been a sort of major interest. And I think they're fascinating. They're just such a huge family. There's just such a massive range. So, yeah, I just went for it, really. I mean, your your timing was perfect, wasn't it? All the young people, even university students, are having yeah. um, succulents yeah. and cactus on the windowsill. Uh, people like IKEA and all the big uh, retailers, uh, they seem to be yeah, stuck I in think, them. I mean, yeah, where, did, where did that all come from? <laughs> pure luck, to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's more the fact that they've, always been popular i just think they're getting the recognition now um lots of people think oh yes i've got a money plant oh i didn't know that was a succulent lots of people had them in their childhood and i think there's a lot of people come to the shows and think oh i have one of those yeah i'll have one of those now you know it's it's an interest really and i think they fit in well with um people's modern day sort of lives really um they've got less time to look after things they're more tolerant um than most house plants um a lot are suitable for the garden there's some for sort of every situation really so i think they just fit in very well with um people's hectic lives nowadays yeah modern lifestyle now, can you give us a few tips then, John, if we've got succulents in pots outside or indoors, what's the best treatment for them? I was at um, a show at Hyde Hall last weekend with the local Cactus and Succulent Society. I mean, there were some stunning pans of uh, cactus there and lithiops, you know, the things that look like stones. Yeah, I, yeah, I grow those. Yeah, they're fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know the society as well because I've been to Hyde Hall a few times and I've met them all, yes. Uh, there's lots of um, societies around the country and they're all sort of fascinating growers, really. So it is worth going to see them. Um, right, well, first thing I would say, I get asked an awful lot, what's the difference between a cactus and a succulent. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Yeah. 
Well, there isn't. They're all succulents, basically, which shocks a lot of people. Um, and then the next question is, obviously, what is a succulent? Well, it's um, just a plant that has fleshy leaves or stems that's adapted to storing water. And then people say, oh, I've got some of those. You don't need to water them, do you? Well, yes, you do. <laughs> just because they can store water and live longer without any water doesn't mean they don't like a lot of water. Mainly sort of April till October. Um, they like good drainage. So if you're growing them in a pot or container, I always recommend um, something like John in his number two, two parts, one part grit, and a terracotta pot that's unglazed. So it can breathe through the pot as well. Yes, could I just uh, recap with that, John? So that was mm-hmm. a John in his number two. Two. And yep. then you two do parts two parts. And one part. And one part grit. One part grit. Okay. Yeah, number three has got too much fertilizer, and I just think that makes a perfect compost. And yeah, terracotta pots are lovely. Um, older the better, dirtier the better, I always think. And <laughs> Is that for appearance rather than cultivation? I think both, really, yes. <laughs> I've got some over 100 years old, and I just think they're wonderful. Um, but... Um, the roots breathe through them, the plants dry out through them. It's just much healthier. So I think they're lovely. I mean, I like some on steps. So you've got one little pot going up each step. Um, lovely. Lots of people like putting succulents in pots because a lot go indoors for the winter and come out for the summer. Some are hardy. They stay out. Um, they're just fascinating, really. And if you're using a new terracotta pot, it's quite important that we... Uh remind people that they need soaking in water, don't they? Yes, and it should be unglazed because can't breathe through the glazing. Right. So, um, and they're not expensive. Um, terracotta flower pots are very reasonable prices and it's the healthiest thing for any plant. I've got one or two. You say you've got one or two old friends. Mm. I have one or two. I mean, they used to be hand-thrown, didn't they, a long time ago? Yes, and you yeah, could, you, you could still right. see that character in the... In yeah, the, that's what I like. I mean, it's horrifying when I think one of the first jobs I did in horticulture when I was 14 was smashing them up. Oh, it's for drainage to go into new plastic pots. But um, I think we're coming full circle now. Um We've switched to a pot that's recyclable, which is which is good, really. I mean, we do a lot of mail order, so everything has to be sort of recyclable nowadays, which I think is nice. Now, can you run us through uh, how we might use them? Uh, I mean, a very popular plant is uh, aloe vera. You, you often yes. see that on windowsills. Can you tell us a bit about that? Oh, yes. Brilliant plant. Um, every home should have one. It's an excellent house plant. Not only does it purify the air, if you get burns, bites or stings, just um, slice a piece off an outside leaf and just squeeze and rub it on. It's the best thing for sunburn, you'll find, and always say it in the kitchen because invariably you get burns, especially if you cook like I do. Um, it's just such a useful plant. I think the yellow family in general are sort of um, very useful plants in medicine. There's one called arborescence, which is used as a cancer treatment now. It's a metastatic cancer. It's um, there's got several products about already, um, and there's lots of studies into it. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more. Well, certainly the aloe vera I've used on burns with great success. Uh, so 
Yeah, any skin condition, really. People with eczema, um, lots of bites and stings, it's excellent for, really. And it actually looks better as a houseplant than it does if you grow outside in the summer. It colours up much nicer. It doesn't need a lot of light. It grows very, very quickly. So it's an ideal plant for anyone to have on the windowsill. And how would you propagate it? Well, they send up little babies um, as they get bigger. So the easiest thing to do is knock it out of the pot and split it and grow one of the smaller ones on. Um, If you've got the patience in the room, after about four or five years, you'll get a flower, which is quite exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't say that I've seen mine flower. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have one earlier this year. It's like a bit like a red hot poker, bright yellow, um, about three foot high. Yeah, no, it's just worth waiting for. <laughs> now, what about uh, the, the prickly ones and, and getting those to flower? How easy is that? I think it's easy if you um, leave them to be dormant in the winter. That's the secret. I mean, normal water in sort of April to October, and then they've got to have a sort of a drought period from then. Basically, you've just got to water them enough to keep them alive, so as little as possible, really. They need to have that dormancy. And then when you start increasing the water in sort of um, early April time and the light levels are increasing, they'll pop into flower. And can you give us one or two names? The names sort of frighten me a bit, but... uh... Well, yeah, there are a few. I mean, I predominantly, obviously, I prefer, obviously, succulents that don't bite back. Um, There's lots of them I really like. Um, Houseplant-wise, Portulacaria, Afro variegata, yep, frightening name, Um, commonly called elephant bush. Beautiful houseplant, lovely red stems, cream variegation. Um, Most people have uh, money plants in the house that get huge. Um, I always put mine out in the summer in a semi-shady spot, just keeps them much cleaner and more compact. Um, Now, that that money plant name... Crusher Well, you know, I did hear that it got that name from a nationwide program. It has lots of different names as well. Okay. Friendship, yeah, Friendship Tree, obviously jade plant. I mean, it's supposed it's supposed to be a plant that you give to somebody. It's not something you buy for yourself. It should always be a gift. Oh, right. I, I always think that's a lovely <laughs> version of it, really. Yeah. I always like thinking of that one. But as with lots of plants, there are lots of different common names. So, unfortunately, you've got to learn the botanical names. Well, with the money plants, mouthful. you often see quite big ones in uh, Chinese restaurants, don't you? So, yeah, all the time, yes. Usually huge, growing up against the windows or yeah. whatever. Yeah, like, like um, trees. I mean, yes. I mean, it is big. It does grow to sort of um, two metres quite easily. Um, People will be shocked at the size of them. There are miniature forms, which are nice, and there's variegated forms, which are, you know, just as lovely, really. And do you propagate those vegetatively? Yes. Um, Either uh, leaves or stem cuttings. Right. What, you can just break a leaf off, almost like... Yeah, literally. Yeah, just wiggle it off at the base so it snaps off cleanly. And then literally you can just lay it on the surface or poke it into a nice gritty compost and it will soon start rooting. Um, That's the case with a lot of um, succulents. Again, that's probably why they're so popular because people accidentally propagate them. The leaf falls off, it just sits on the surface and then they notice it's got roots, it's got little leaves appearing and off it goes into another pot. And then, John, what about the echeverias? Because 
we see an awful lot of those now on sale, and, and presumably they're quite a strong part of uh, your catalogue range. Yes, they are. I mean, they're, they're always very popular. Um, the lovely thing is they'll flower and don't die. Lots of um, succulents are monocarpic, which means they um, flower and die, like um, aeoniums, but they take a, quite a long time to get there. And plants like the agaves um, that you see a lot in them sort of um, down a sort of Mediterranean way. Um, but again, they take a long time, quite a few years before they get to that size. Echeveras, yeah, incredibly popular. Biggest problem with them is people overwatering them in the winter. And they tend to stretch for the light that um, the light levels are just too low. So again, keep them as dry as possible and with as much light as possible from about October right through to April. Now, now, John, if people want to contact you in the way that I've done, get more information, uh, uh, what's the best way to do that? They can go on the website and they can ask questions on the website or they can email me directly at simplysucklance at gmx.co.uk. Yeah, just, just do that once again because that was quite quick. They email <laughs> to simply simplysucklance yeah. at gmx.co.uk. UK. And then you're on the show circuit, aren't you? Where are you going yes. to be showing next? Yeah, next um, will be Taunton Flower Show, 2nd to the 3rd of August. Uh, then we're at Shrewsbury Flower Show, 9th to the 10th of August. RHS Wisley, 3rd to the 8th of September. And finally, Harrogate, 14th to 16th of September. John, I hope to catch up with you at uh, one of those shows this summer. I'm sure I will. Yeah. <laughs> I'll look forward to it. And thanks very much for joining us today. My pleasure. It's the Game Fair on the 26th and the 28th at Hatfield House in Hertfordshire. And you might wonder what I'm doing mentioning the Game Fair. Well, I hope to pop in because Cable Manor College have built what they believe to be the biggest show garden ever at uh, any kind of exhibition or event. And I'll be very pleased to visit and have a look at that. Oh, and the other thought is that at uh, Hyde Hall on the 26th of July, there's a flower and garden photography masterclass. I hope all those photographers nip into our floral fantasia because if you keep an eye on the Sun newspaper, we got a competition for the best pictures taken in our floral fantasia and the people at that workshop should know uh, just what to do. So... Uh, Happy snapping. The children are almost queuing up to sit on our little mushroom seats and they'll make great subjects for uh, photographs to submit to our competition. And it's the Hyde Hall Flower Show from the 31st of July to the 4th of August. If you're going to that show, uh, and it, uh, it's a really nice day out for the family, Make sure that you uh, walk all the way across the garden up into the new vegetable display garden and then you can come on to our floral fantasia which is just over the fence. Yeah, whatever you do, don't go to that show and, and then miss seeing our very colourful display. Also, there's the Tender and Hardy Fern Show at Wisley for the 3rd and 4th of August. Uh, for those of us who live uh, north of Wisley... I'm afraid you have the M25 to face. That's becoming pretty tough for me. Took three and a quarter hours last time I went to try and get to Wisley at the weekend. Uh, uh, so I'm afraid Hyde Hall is becoming a more common call for me. 
Also on uh, Wednesday the 31st of July, Peter Beals up in Attleborough has a morning plant propagation workshop. You know, those gardens should still look magnificent. Uh, Some of the roses may be uh, off flush and waiting for the second flush to come through, but there's a good lot of perennials planted amongst them. Good restaurant. And if you want to learn about sowing seeds, rooting softwood, half-ripe and hardwood cuttings, well then there's the morning plant propagation workshop on Wednesday the 31st of July. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast, and thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk Thank you.